It's really good to see you. I don't know what happened to the driver and my luggage and... Well, and with all this, I, I thought I was in the wrong place. I bid you welcome. And welcome to another episode of Shadows in History. I'm your host, Tiffany Taylor. And on today's episode, we will continue our vampire series with part two. So, let's dive in, shall we? It was in the Middle Ages that the vampire legend began to really gain steam. Vampires were used to explain various plagues and diseases. One such disorder that is now known as perforia and might explain how a vampire in that time got its looks. Beforeous symptoms include sensitivity to light, resulting in blistered skin and burns when exposed for any amount of time. It also includes hallucinations and receded gums that give the impression of elongated teeth. The Scientific American has stated that, quote, the effects of sensitivity to light can be so severe that sufferers lose their ears and noses." This can easily be seen as to where Nosferatu got his menacing looks. During the Middle Ages, vampirism was not used as simply a scary story, but rather was a legitimate fear and something that was as real as any disease we might see today. Agnes Mergosi studied this folk belief further. She argued in 1926 that the journey from death to the afterlife is perilous. In Romanian belief, it took 40 days for the soul of the deceased to enter paradise. In some cases, it was thought that it lingered for years, and during this time, there was a myriad of ways that the deceased family members can succumb to vampirism. It was thought that dying unmarried, unforgiven by one's parents, through suicide or being murdered, could all lead to a person returning as a vampire. Events after death could have the same effect. Beware breezes blowing across a corpse before burial, dogs or cats walking over coffins, or leaving a mirror not turn to the wall at this precarious time. With this very real fear of vampires, it should come as no surprise that there were what would later be called vampire burials. Over the last several decades, archaeologists have unearthed some of these very graves and discovered their ghastly contents. Archaeologists in Bulgaria recently uncovered a 13th century staked vampire. The remains once belonged to a man who was likely in his 40s. An iron rod had been hammered through his chest, quote, to keep the corpse from rising from the dead and disturbing the living, end quote. And his left leg had also been removed and placed beside the corpse. Clearly, this man's neighbors did not trust his remains to stay put. As Nikolai Orcharov, the archaeologist in charge of the dig, told the Telegraph, quote, We have no doubts that once again we're searching an anti-vampire ritual being carried out, 
end quote. At the time of the man's death, vampires were perceived as a very real threat in many Eastern European communities. People who died unusually from suicide, for example, were sometimes staked to prevent them from coming back from the dead, the Telegraph writes. A similar scene was discovered in Poland, but instead of just one, it was several. The graves were discovered during the construction of a roadway near the Polish town of Gilwis, where archaeologists are more accustomed to finding the remains of World War II soldiers. But instead of soldiers, the graves contained skeletons whose heads had been severed and placed on their legs. This indicated to the archaeologist that the bodies had been subject to a ritualized execution designed to ensure the dead stay dead. By keeping the head separated from the body, according to ancient superstition, the, quote, undead wouldn't be able to rise from the grave to terrorize the living. Decapitation was one way of achieving that. Another way was hanging the person by a rope attached to the neck until, over time, the decaying body simply separated the head. There were equally bizarre ways of dealing with vampire burials, according to research published by forensic anthropologist Matteo Barini. He cites the case of a woman who died during the 16th century plague in Venice, Italy. The woman was apparently buried with a brick wedged tightly in her open mouth, a popular medieval method of keeping suspected vampires from returning to feed on the blood of the living. The woman's grave might be the earliest known vampire burial ever found. Hers was a typical case of an accusation of vampirism following some calamity, such as a plague or a devastating crop failure. Accusing an individual of being a vampire was a not uncommon way of finding a scapegoat for an otherwise unexplained disaster. What is even more terrifying, and gives a deeper look into the depth of fear of vampires, is that it was not only adult men and women who were thought to become vampires, but children as well. The skeleton of a 10-year-old with a rock lodged in its mouth was found in an Italian cemetery of babies and was deemed a vampire burial. The child's skeleton was found by archaeologists from the University of Arizona and Stanford University working alongside Italian researchers over the summer at La Necropoli dei Bambini, or the Cemetery of the Babies, in the Italian region of Umbria. The child's body was positioned on its left side, lying in a tomb created by two roof tiles up against a wall, according to the University of Arizona. The stone, made of limestone, was roughly the size of a large egg and cut to be pointed on one end, David Pickle with the University of Stanford told USA Today. What's particularly disturbing about the find is that the child's jaw was forced open after death and a rock was pushed in, purposefully, researchers said. 
Cement was plastered on two sides of the cut stone and a tooth-shaped depression were visible, Pickle said. University of Arizona professor and archaeologist David Sorin, who was involved in the research, said this burial ritual was to ensure that the child didn't rise from the dead and spread malaria. I've never seen anything like it. It's extremely eerie and weird, quoted Sorin. Locally, they're calling it the Vampire of Lugano. The child's sex is unknown. Age was determined based on the child's teeth. Bioarchaeologist Jordan Wilson, a University of Arizona doctoral student who analyzed the skeletal remains in Italy, said the practice of burying someone like this, known as a vampire burial, with a rock in their mouth of a body held to the ground is unusual, but was more common in Roman culture. So, how did people come to believe that loved ones and people in the community became a vampire? The answer is quite simple. Through dreams. Oftentimes throughout history, a similar pattern evolved. Someone would die and be buried. A living person would have a dream that the deceased would pay them a visit through a dream, and the living person believed themselves in danger, so they would gather the local community and they would go to the grave of the deceased and dig it up. When the casket was opened, the people would see in horror that there was fresh blood around the mouth of the deceased, and thus a vampire burial would ensue. During this time, the line between magic and science were blurred, and what we now know about the body and how it decomposes is vastly different than what was believed during that time. So let's take a step-by-step -step look at what the people of that time saw when opening a grave and study it through a lens of science today. When the coffin was first opened, the people were met with the sight of fresh blood around the deceased mouth. Now, to the people of that time, this looked like someone who was able to rise from the grave and drink blood from the living. But today, we know that as the body decomposes, the body begins to bloat from all the gas, and fluid is then pushed out of the body. So it would be perfectly natural for fluid that looked like blood to appear around the mouth, the nose, or even the eyes. Secondly, many reported seeing the deceased hair still growing as well as their nails giving a claw-like appearance. This is due to the fact that our skin will shrink back from dehydration, giving merely the appearance of growing hair or nails. Another reason people might have believed the person was undead was due to the fact that the body might move. But there is a rather simple explanation for this. Rigor mortis is only temporary after death. And as the body decomposes, the body will begin to relax, giving the impression of living movement. With this evidence, the people would then stake the vampire in their coffin and the body would let out a sigh, further proving to the people that what they were doing was the right thing.
but this too can be explained. As stated before, as the body decomposes, there is a buildup of gas. And when the body is staked, those gases are released, giving the appearance of a sigh or even a grunt. So, with all this scientific evidence, vampire burials have ceased completely, right? Well, you would be wrong. Very wrong. The most recent vampire burial was in fact in February 2004 in Romania. Authorities were called when there were reports of a group of six people staking a local man by the name of Petra in his grave. One of the alleged stakers was actually the brother-in-law of Petra. The family claimed that they believed that Petra had in fact became a vampire in his death and was coming to them and calling to them as well as drinking their blood. Slowly, one by one, the family became sickly, so much so that the other villagers began to take notice. So, six weeks at midnight, the family snuck to the cemetery and dug up Petra's body. When they opened the casket, they reported that Petra's mouth was filled with blood, confirming their suspicions. They then decided to remove his heart with a pitchfork. Now, in Slavic belief, a dead man's heart is not supposed to be filled with blood unless he is truly a vampire. They then decided to burn the heart and drink the ashes to heal them from their ailments. The family later reported that by doing so, they instantaneously felt better. vampires real? I believe that the answer to this is yes and no. No, as in, we are not going to be visited by a suave, smooth-talking count in the night. But, let's admit, that would be terrifying and pretty cool. And yes, as in the belief in vampires will live on over the years. The vampire has transformed in various ways and I believe their stories will continue to evolve, and I can't wait to see what comes next. That is all for today's episode of Shadows in History. I'm your host, Tiffany Taylor. Be sure to like and subscribe to get all episode updates, and be sure to share with all of your friends and family, or else I may know a count who can pay you a visit tonight. Sleep tight, little darklings.